0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the God, of Case, and Wanderlust Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia, and today we have a guest named Maria. Maria is the host of the Recipe to the Road Podcast, a podcast that shares travel stories and information from people all over the world. I've listened to the podcast myself, and as a fellow passionate traveler, it's such a joy to listen to different perspectives and experiences of other people that Maria interview so I'm so excited to be back recording and to finally have Maria on the show so thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, Thank you for having me and for the lovely intro.
0: Yeah of course I'm so happy like we finally got a time to connect because it's been a minute since I first contacted you. Um, yeah. Instagram and it's been a while since I last published an episode so like I said thank you again for being the first
1: guest in a while. No problem at all. Happy to be happy to be here and chat a little bit about podcasts as, as you know my podcast is on a bit of a break as well so I haven't done one of these in a while either so it's nice to to kind of get back into it. Yeah
0: so I would love to start out with what sparked your wanderlust?
1: Oh that is a good question. Um, I guess for me it's been a thing for as long as I can remember because so both of my parents traveled a lot before I was born Um, and so like growing up like, they firstly would have, like, like they had really good friends in Germany because they'd lived over there for a while. That would always send us, like, parcels at Christmas and, like, presents and stuff. So we always had that connection with people abroad. And then, like, they also had friends in, like, other countries as well. So we'd always just kind of have, like, a Christmas card coming in from a different country or, like, a postcard from, like, people around the world. Um, we also used to have students to stay who would be coming to Ireland to learn English. And they used to stay with us sometimes. So I guess, like, as a kid, like, the fact that the world is a lot bigger than Ireland was just a given for me. Um, So I don't know if anything ever sparked my wanderlust, but I was just kind of brought up in quite a, I I'm going to say an international house, even though both my parents are Irish, but it was still, like, there was always, like, talk of international kind of travel and the curiosity, I guess, for what's going on around the world and for the different ways people do things was just always there.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome that your parents got to do that for you because it's so important to surround yourself with diversity and just people of different backgrounds and stories and perspectives. I think that's something some communities do lack. And it's it's a shame that if you don't have that accessibility. Um, definitely. Cool to like different cultures and stuff which brings me back to your podcast which aims to increase the accessibility of the world of travel which I love so was there ever like a specific experience or conversation that made you realize the inequities that many people face when traveling
1: yeah I don't really know if it was so much a specific moment as maybe like a few moments or I started noticing a pattern that when I would be talking to people at home because I so basically I first I'm going to say first when traveling. Like I first went away without my parents when I was 19 after I dropped out of co- I went to college and dropped out the fir- of my first course. And then I was just kind of like spending time until the next September to start again. And I moved to Spain and worked as an au pair, like mining kids. And then kind of like coming home from that. And like then after that, like I just kept going to different places and diff- for different reasons. And just conversations I would have at home or even away with people and it seemed that people just didn't really know how to go about traveling and like I was kind of like oh well like it's obvious you go on you book a flight you do this you do this and it was only when which is kind of funny like in the last few years or probably more than maybe like yeah the last like decade when like a lot of conversations have been happening about privilege and recognizing your privilege that I realized that my privilege was that my parents had always traveled so it had always it had never been shrouded in mystery for me so I kind of realized then that it was a privilege and that not everyone just kind of like had that intrinsic knowledge of how to kind of go about it. I mean, not saying that I necessarily did, I figured it out, but I also knew that there was a way to figure it out. Like, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I just kind of realized that the information, like my privilege to do with travel was information and a lot, the reason a lot of people don't travel is a lack of information rather than other things.
0: Yeah, that awareness is something that I've recently been discovering as well. Just all the types of privileges you don't, you just take for granted because you're not aware of it. It's just something that's so normal in your everyday life and maybe the people around you that you don't like. It's not like you said, it's not just economic privilege. It's also how you were raised and the values that you um, like took in as as when you were growing up or something. So yeah, exactly through through these initial travel experiences or recent how has travel in general shaped your
1: views of the world oh um I it's definitely shaped my view of the world in like positive and negative ways um so i start with the positives because I don't want to always be a negative Nancy um <laughs> in a positive way obviously I just you, you just learn so many like Things like on a global scale as well as on a small scale. Like on a small scale, just things like one of the huge things, I guess, is our attitude to like health and community are probably the two biggest things that I see in countries where, because it always seems that the attitude to health and the attitude to community kind of are in line, weirdly. Really. So, what I mean by that is, say, in some countries, like healthcare is really inaccessible, but it also so happens that there are places where community isn't really as big of a deal. And then other places like, for example, Mexico, and I know Mexico is obviously like a huge country and every state is basically like a country in itself. There's so much diversity there. But something I noticed in a lot of places in Mexico was that communities are really, really big part of their culture. It's really important. And like if there's a stray dog walking around a village, people will just feed him and he just becomes the village's dog. And I know that's like a pretty superficial example, but I feel like that's kind of the way with people as well, that you're just treated like the community kind of bands together a bit more. And I'm sure there's people from Mexico listening to this, been like, that's not it everywhere. But maybe I just visited really nice parts. Probably I just visited really nice parts of Mexico um, and really nice villages and stuff where community was huge. And then the same thing with healthcare is like, obviously, there is the regular like hospitals and doctors and pharmacies and stuff in Mexico. But I saw that people had like, there was a lot more emphasis on preventative medicine. And not in, like, a kind of a new age wellness way, which is not a bad thing. It's also amazing that we're reintroducing these into um, different cultures. But it just, like, there was, like, a lot. It was just in in them to look after their health in, like, I don't know. There was, like, say, in um, Chiapas, there's this, like, tincture. And I know I'm going to say it wrong. It's, like, a herb. It's basically a plant. And then they blend it up into, like, a tincture. And it's called, like, Chilcagua, Chilagua. And it's the most amazing thing I've ever had. Like, it gets rid of cold sores. It like gets rid of sore throats. It helps your tummy if you've got a parasite. Like, and that was just like one example. Or then in Guatemala, I got a parasite there, and it was like papaya seeds just like healed, got rid of the parasite. Like, it made me made me feel better than I had even before I got the parasite. So there's just like, and I don't know if that's because I was around like tourists and people who were really interested in natural stuff, but I think that culture is just naturally there. So I think seeing the different ways people look at healthcare and community was a really big positive. Um, Sorry, as as you can tell, I'm very passionate about health and wellness. And so so I went off on a bit of a tangent there. Um, And then like, I guess in a more negative way, like something that I realized what made me really sad is just like the impacts that colonialism has had and is still having around the world like you don't go anywhere that well I haven't been anywhere yet that I haven't seen the negative impacts of colonialism um so that was a, a more sad one that I kind of hoped to go like a lot of people say that like what they realize is that human beings are human beings everywhere and everyone cares like the majority of people just care for people and they're good people and of course I realized that and I think I like I always I've always loved humans like I'm fascinated by humans so like it's it's just amazing to meet people who have the same objectives but just go about life in a completely different way but then just seeing those like residual impacts of like colonialism how badly people were treated really just made me sad but i wouldn't say that travel made me s- cynical in general i think i was already cynical and it was just amazing to see how people just get on with life and despite all that like i'd be looking at it like, "Oh, it's so sad that this thing happened here and then the people are like yep just getting on with it and just being amazing and stuff so that was a very long-winded answer but that, that is some of the things that I realized
0: yeah no, thank you so much for that insight I I could talk a lot about the things you just mentioned and um to your last comment about neocolonial colonialism I must it's a big we big word to say as well <laughs> um I think you have an episode about that it's like called neocolonialism or good vibes I think it's
1: hashtag good vibes yeah
0: it's a really good listen i highly recommend um other people to check that one out but yeah it's just it's so interesting to learn and discover things that you're just not taught with about like where you come from so like in the us there's just so much that our educational system fails to teach us about like for example um like you were saying health and wellness we don't learn about preventative healthcare. Like the US is very much about profit and like, you know, capitalism. So we are focused on more treating the symptoms through medicine or like surgery and like just very high cost but also band-aid level cures rather than yeah. starting from the root and really looking at the whole body. And that's something other countries do very well but that we just, we don't necessarily uh, prioritize here. So yeah, it's so interesting to learn about the different values in that regard. So um, to that point, what are some other like misconceptions about traveling that you've learned that um, you've maybe had yourself or like you've learned from people on your podcast?
1: Yeah, so I guess one of them is that you need to have money to go traveling. That's like a huge thing. Um, because I've learned and this is like what I learned as I kind of traveled, um, that like there's so many ways to do it without having money. Like, I mean, obviously, yes, you need to have a bit of savings, but maybe not as many savings as you think you'd need, because you can get opportunities to volunteer, or even like sometimes there's like paid jobs you can do. Like there's a lot of ways to travel without having like a huge budget. Um, and there's a lot of ways to make your money the savings that you do have last a bit longer and like you see a bit more of the world and um, another thing is that it's not safe to go to certain countries like this is like before we went so our last trip was we started in Mexico did seven months around Mexico and then went down as far as Nicaragua through all the countries in Central America and before we went I was like looking up stuff and I was reading online and I kept coming across like so first, before you left, I was researching Mexico because I knew that's where we were going to be for the first half of the trip. And I was like, oh, Mexico is dangerous. The U.S. State Department says don't go to this state or don't go to that state. Or There's only two states in Mexico that the U.S. State Department gives you like the green light for. And the rest of them are like levels of precaution. Um, I don't know if other countries' government, the reason I'm saying the U.S. one is because I don't know if other countries' governments break it down by state. So that was the one I kind of was referring to. And then you'd like read stuff like blogs and articles and it'd be like, oh, have your wits about you, like whatever. And obviously, yeah, you need your wits about you like you do anywhere. But then when we actually got there, it was just like, I don't know, it was, it was just like a mix between like, I mean, it was like like because we, we landed in Cancun, it was just like what I imagine Miami or something to be like. And then and Cancun like probably was one of the more dangerous places we were, but not because of locals more because it's just like a load of drunk people from like the us and europe just like going to nightclubs and being stupid so you're probably in as much danger there as you would be going out at home you know um but after that like everything was just really safe like particularly there's this city merida um which is the safest city in all of the americas no sorry second safest city in all of the all of the americas And people there would just leave, like, their handbag on a chair in a restaurant and then just go to the bathroom. Like, they just, people just didn't steal it. Um, So I think this safety thing was huge, Uh, like, a huge shock to me that it was so safe.
0: Yeah, that's something that is, like, common thread among many travelers that I do talk with is that. The news and the media in general just project such a negative, like connotation on so many different places that are quote unquote more like developing countries. Um, but the truth is, is it's such a distortion of the reality of actual experiences people have had. Like the people that say the countries are dangerous, oh you shouldn't go there, are people. Typically, that have never gone there. It's just their biases or what they've read online or seen on the news. So, yeah, that's so super fascinating to hear that in Mexico it's this one of the safe like you have one of the safest places in the Americas. Like I didn't know that actually. That's very fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's like I don't really get what the objective is. I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of political agenda there, but it it just doesn't like. Just leave them alone, you know? Like, the one that was... So, I know I was talking about Mexico there, but, like, the one that was huge was Honduras. Like, if you type Honduras into any platform anywhere, people are like, oh, my God, it's dangerous and the murder capital of the world's there, which it isn't. Um, Not anymore. And it's this, that, and the other. And, like, yeah, like, I think there is a high crime rate there. From... I was just, like... Because before we went there, I was in some, like, expat groups on Facebook and stuff. And I think there is maybe high crime rate in certain areas but on the flip side then like when we were there everyone was so nice and so helpful and like especially the islands like like the islands were so safe like the islands, you just you could walk around after dark get the bus no problem like just yeah I don't know it's just there's just no need to be to spread so much like negativity about like some countries So we were joking. My cousin came over and joined us for a couple of weeks in Mexico. And she said there's like two things that people say to her when she said she was going to Mexico for a few weeks. They either say, oh, my God, it's the best place ever. You're going to love it. You're going to have the best time. Or they go, oh, be careful. Like, it's a bit dodgy over there. And like, we called it like the responses of like someone who's been to Mexico and someone who hasn't been to Mexico. So, yeah, there's definitely. Because I think a lot of our media, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I would say a lot of our media about kind of places where there's... So if there's like a war on somewhere, we will have reporters there as every other country will. But when it's just like kind of somewhere where there's not really something big, like I think a lot of it is influenced by the US maybe. I don't really know where that comes from. But... And also just the fact that it's so far away. I think there's a bit of like... Like you're a bit removed from it. So it's like maybe more like cautious to be worried about it. Cause like there's definitely countries that there aren't like I, I wouldn't say Southeast Asia has as much of a like negative kind of view about it then um and like that's obviously far away but I think people would think central like if you just asked around a person the street I think they would think like going to sit Southeast Asia is safe but they wouldn't think that going to Central America is safe. Maybe because that's been like a tourist place for longer or something. But yeah, it definitely, as you say, it's definitely distorted. But as more people go there, maybe people are like a bit more open-minded to it.
0: Yeah, it's, you definitely like shouldn't be forming an opinion or giving advice to someone about visiting somewhere if you've never actually gone there yourself. (laughs) Um, Would you have any advice for other female travelers out there, especially if you have had solo experiences about like, their fears you know as a woman traveling
1: yeah so firstly I like so I was traveling with my boyfriend um and I did think just when we were planning things and I was like I wonder if we'll ever want to separate like because if he wanted to go to place a and I want to go to place b and the idea of solo female traveling was just like I was like no there's no way I could do that in Mexico like I just I like that would be a crazy thing to do um even though I had a friend who had done it and then after being there I was like oh like we were in the minority by far by traveling with someone like there were so many solo travelers and I would say half if not more were solo female travelers so firstly like I know that's not necessarily advice but it's just like kind of setting the stage a bit that there's so many solo female travelers in Mexico and Central America that we met um I suppose advice like Obviously, like, safety is a thing, so as it would be anywhere, like, so you are you don't want to be stupid or get too drunk or things like that. Like, I guess for me, where I would see safety concerns would be more like in a hostel, just make sure that you trust the people you're going out with and not necessarily that they would do something to you, but that if you did get too drunk, are they going to bring you home? Like, you don't know these people. You don't know if they have your best interests at heart or if they're just kind of like, Eh, she's gone bye and just move on like so I think like having your wits about you is necessary anywhere um and like definitely listening to your gut instinct because my experience was very like wholesome and like there was wasn't very many times where I felt threatened but I don't know maybe my gut instinct was coming in and I just wasn't kind of like wandering into bad situations so if you can listen to your gut instinct and if your gut instinct says no go away and if you ever come across like children or dogs they're always a really good indicator of if a situation is a bit unsavory I think see like I would judge places by the dogs so if I'm somewhere where the dogs are really like frantic and kind of like aggro and stuff I'd be like there's there's a bit of a weird vibe in this place um I know that's like such an obscure thing but I I noticed it and I kind of trusted my gut on that one
0: yeah no I think that's wonderful advice we would all benefit from listening more and tapping into our intuition, like to a greater extent, especially when traveling, especially as female travelers. um, Just because like, you know, what's best for you at the end of the day. Like there's no one else that could tell you what you don't already know inside yourself. So just really trusting yourself and trusting that, you know, um you know, like who you are and you know, what's best for you. So yeah, I, I definitely am um, trying to follow that advice myself when I do solo travel. Uh, so, just some final questions to wrap up a little rapid fire round. Um, first question is, what's a special place in your heart?
1: Oh, um, okay. I'm just gonna just gonna up top my Puerto Escondido in Mexico. Um, so there's so many places, that's why I like, pause, but I was like, I'm just going to say whatever comes to mind. Puerto Escondido, Mexico. Yes. Oh my God,
0: it is... seems so beautiful, I want to go.
1: It's amazing, like we stayed in La Punta, so if you go, I'd highly recommend trying to stay in La Punta. It's basically like a village within Puerto Escondido. Um, it is quite touristy, but like not like in your face touristy, they're just like, it's more, I would say it's more so like people from different countries have decided to live there then it's necessarily like super touristy so it's like a nice mix and then obviously there's like locals as well and there's people from different parts of Mexico it's just and even if you don't stay there like there's just other parts like there's so many different parts to explore like we refer what is the word we rented get there eventually we rented mopeds so like every evening we would kind of like try go to like a different area and just see what the crack was there sorry crack is Irish word (laughs) i'm not talking about drugs (laughs) i forget um see what is happening in the different areas there's like the area where all the like domestic tourists go there's the area where the locals go there's the other touristy areas so you get kind of a good a good few different parts
0: Uh, i love to hear that because when i searched up best places to visit in mexico puerto escondido was one of the responses that i got so i'm glad that it lives up to the hype the second question is a memorable meal that you've had when traveling
1: oh it's the um so in bacalar in this is on the east coast of mexico there is a vegan restaurant there called mangui chile and they do these um crunchy tofu tacos so it's like a, a vegan spin on like a baja taco and oh my god like even right now my stomach is just starting to like crave them they were so, so good. Like, I, I don't even know. It was, I think it was a Chipotle vegan mayo that they used, but they're amazing. And they do, you can get, like, vegan milkshakes There's also, there. we, like, we went there so often. We get um tacos and a milkshake. And then, like, I, I do just have to say, like, a tiny, like, second place, because it's almost up there. It was in um Veracruz, Puerto de Veracruz, the city. There's a vegan restaurant there called La Revolución, and they do taco or no not taco what is it the quesadillas vegan quesadillas with uh like the vegan mints and vegan cheese and they would be such a close second so I just had to mention them well. oh my gosh
0: um all that sounds so good right now tacos and milkshakes seems like the perfect combination at this moment that's amazing and then lastly <laughs> what is your dream destination
1: Ooh, dream destination this kind of is something that changes with the weather for me but Um I I wanna do yoga teacher training in India, or if I've already done yoga teacher training by the time I get to India, I want to do some sort of yoga experience in India. Um I just I love yoga and I love the whole like yoga teachings. And it's not something that I've like I just do yoga every day and like it's not something that I completely committed to in any way, but I just love it and everything I learn about it I love so love to really just like immerse myself in the home of yoga and yeah yeah I want to do the same
0: I've I've just heard great things about YTT training from like just the people who have actually been certified they were just like even if you aren't super into yoga like you will be by the end and even if you don't intend to be a teacher even like it has benefits so yeah I'm with you on that
1: yeah I think it'd be so amazing and just to do it in home of yoga like I feel like because I do feel like when you're somewhere I'm getting real hippie now but like do you know when you feel like a connection with like the earth or something I think if you do something in the place that it's from or you eat a certain food in the place that it's from like there's just that like connection there a bit more so like I just I can imagine that the connection there is just going to be amazing
0: yeah there's definitely something to be said about the authenticity of it but also this is like a tangent but I think there's a lot of discussions about appropriation on yoga, especially in the Western world, um, just not giving credit to the birthplace, which is which is India. Um, and yeah, I've just been reading a lot about, you know, how you go on these trainings or yoga retreats in like Bali or Costa Rica and just places that pay no respect or even acknowledge that it came from India, that it's a religious. You know tradition, so it kind of like disregards the the significance of it. So yeah, I would definitely like to do it in India <laughs> again. That was a tangent. Um, but
1: you- <laughs> no, it's I totally agree with you. Like I, I looked up, I heard that Costa Rica was good for yoga teacher training, and I was like, oh, maybe we'll get there. So I looked it up. It's like five thousand US dollars, not even including accommodation to do the like YTT training. It's like, what like how is it five times cheaper or more to do it in the home of yoga and get accommodation and food? (laughs) Like it made no sense. So yeah, I'm with you on that one.
0: Yeah. That'll be a different episode, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time, Maria. Where can we connect with you? Where can we listen to the recipe to the road podcast?
1: Yeah. So probably the easiest will be Instagram. That's at recipe to the road. Um, it, my, it needs a little love at the moment because as I said the podcast is on a bit of a season break but um the links to everything will be on there but also if you just search on like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, whatever platform you like just search recipe to the road podcast it should come up um so season one is up there I try to keep it as evergreen as possible so even though they are the older episodes um there is still like I think a lot of value there and I'm hoping to have season two, out. I'm setting a target for myself to have season two out January. Um, So that's, that's something to look forward to. I'm excited. To.
0: Amazing. I'll put that uh, on the show notes. And again, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you.